Today we're gonna be discussing um, Project Hail Mary by Andrew Weir. Andy. Oh, Andy Weir? <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, okay. Andy Weir. I don't know how to pronounce the last name. How do you pronounce it? Yeah, you got it. Weir. Weir? Okay. Yeah. So this is the same author from The Martian. Um, I thought The Martian was awesome, so I definitely <clears throat> recommend it. Um, we're going to be diving into to this one. Um, reading from pages one to... Chapter one to chapter eight, I think. Let's see. Nope. Nope. Chapter nine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we're reading um, from pages 1 to 154. Okay. <clears throat> um, so this is a space science fiction book. Yeah. We'll leave it there. Um, it's a little bit of... What's it called? Hard science fiction? Is it? Uh, there's a genre called hard sci-fi, I think. When, <laughs> when they actually... Um, like explain it. Explain the, the logic, physics, and math behind things. I wonder what would be another hard sci-fi book other than The Martian. Like Tree Body Problem. Oh. Which, yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't like it. It was way too deep. Um, but basically, they're, tr they're trying to make it as realistic as possible. By yeah, explaining yeah. the logic behind the things. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I like logic and things that make sense and yeah. there's so much about in this book it's great yeah <laughs> alright so first highlight is in page 3 oh the very first page okay um yeah why is it page 3 oh cause we have some drawings on yeah. the previous pages yes page 3 um <laughs> I said I'm surprised I meant to say leave me alone a completely reasonable response in my opinion but I failed to speak mm. ooh so this is like entry scenario we have someone that it's waking up can't speak so something must have happened to me to him it's not normal sleep but we have no idea what's what's going on um i thought it was interesting that he has he's able to rationalize things he just doesn't have physical control of his body yet yeah not yet yeah but i mean clearly it's good that his brain made it out <laughs> Yeah, yeah. His like, brain didn't need time to adjust just the rest of his body. Yeah, like I remember when I was in a in a car accident and got a concussion. Um, I couldn't think, like, hey, let me just act normally. It was just like a degraded performance all around. Meanwhile, his he seems to be, <clears throat> his mind seems to be like, yeah, I'm good, but his body is not. It like fails to catch up. Yeah, as yeah. much as or as fast as his brain is. Yeah. Comas these days. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Page 11. Time to go to look at my fellow patients. I don't know who I am or why I'm here, but at least I'm not alone. And they're dead. Yep, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, was funny at the time. <laughs> and especially, I just really like the narrator. Uh, but, yeah. And then, of course, you know... He starts to be really sad about it. But at the time, when he first found out, it was <laughs> Yeah, it's really funny. Like, oh, I'm not alone. Nope. Yep, no, alone. yeah, well, I <laughs> So we're also but. listening to the audiobook. I'm going to Google real quick to see if it's the same voice narrator as the Marsh. Will Wheaton. Okay, I know that's fine. <gasps> that's the same guy that does Ready Player One. That's how I know. 
Oh. Okay, it makes sense. Okay. Okay, so the narrator for Pretty Kill Mary is Roy Porter, so it's not the same dude. Yeah, we tried. I think it would have been good if he was full. I think he does a good job of ready player one and two. The books just sucked. Yep. Next highlight is page 13. Eat. Who am I to question a creepy robot armed computer overlord? I cautiously lick the substance. Oh my god, it's good. It's so good. It's like thick gravy, but not too rich. I squeeze more straight into my mouth and savor it. I swear it's better than sex. You know he's hungry. That's when you know. Gravy is better than sex. Thanksgiving must be a fun holiday. Page 19. Earth's gravity is 9.8 meters per second, period. And I'm experiencing more than that. There's only one possible explanation. <laughs> I'm not on Earth. Da, da, da. Da, 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 da. Okay, so um, he's waking up, he, he has no idea who he is, where he is, what the heck is going on. Um, but he starts noticing that things are falling weirdly. Like, he, oh, yeah. He's not happy when things fall down. He doesn't understand <clears> why. <throat> And being a scientist, his first instinct is to start measuring stuff up. So he starts measuring the speed of when at which objects start falling, and apparently he gets um, the the measurement of gravity for wherever he is, and it's I think it's 1.5 times the gravity of Earth. I don't know what the calculation is in meters per second, but anyway, mm. things are falling faster, and he's like, "Oh snap! Where the heck am I?" <laughs> Twenty-four. Page 24. The Petrova Line. Huh? <laughs> JAXA took a good long look at the Petrova Line. They say it's, it's getting brighter at the same rate that the sun is getting dimmer. Somehow or another, whatever it is, the Petrova Line is stealing energy from the sun. Ooh. Bad news bears. Yep, so this is an introduction to the main... <clears throat> like, reason, kind of? Yeah, the main... um. Antagonist of the book, the main plot conflict. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, so something is um, reducing the energy of the sun, which of course means um, bad stuff for Earth, um, worse crops, probably worse. Uh, basically, another ice age. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much the doomsday um, event that they're they're trying to prevent. Um, yeah, <clears throat> and the thing is, too, uh, I don't know. I don't think we have a highlight, but <clears throat> basically, they discover the Petrova line uh, because there had been various papers and and such and studies looking at the um, temperature of the sun, and it was like steadily decreasing exponentially. Uh, so. Yeah, not good. Yeah. <laughs> so it had been happening for a while, essentially, up until this point. Whenever that may be. I kind of, I kind of like that they're not um, saying what year it is. They might in at some point in the book, but I, I like that it's kind of ambiguous. Yeah, yeah. And and um, Rylan, the narrator, doesn't go too far into like the technologies on Earth and how. Like, there's hover cars where, like, he's still, like, a school teacher. They still have school, clearly, and are teaching things, uh, and there's still science that's happening, but it's not 
too far-fetched. Yeah, as far as we know, this could happen like any time. Yeah, this yeah, present-day um, yeah. book. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Yeah, the cool thing is, we don't know how much time <laughs> has passed where he is in the present, like where he is in the in the in the spaceship. Um, so there's time dilation oh. wherever he is presently. Um, so we we got some rough math to do. Like, <clears throat> let's say it's 2021 when this all happens. And and he leaves, and it's on a ten-year trip to mm. whatever he is. Mm. And time dilation is is worse there. Um, so he spends I don't know ten years over there, but that's actually more like fifty years back on Earth. So maybe in present time it's like twenty seven years. Who knows? But yeah. I'm wondering what they'll. they'll <clears throat> I think uh, there actually was. He did talk about time a bit, but he was kind of guesstimating. Uh, he guesstimated uh, like three years time, but 12 years Earth, like 12 Earth gotcha. years, which is still a long time. And um, I mean, clearly there are like no mirrors aboard, but I'm wondering <laughs> if if that would have degenerated his body in any sort of way. You know, 12 years is a long, like Earth years is a long time to be stagnant and... So that's yeah, one thing they did go over it. I don't, I don't think neither of us highlighted it, but sure. apparently they had hooked up his body to, <clears> um, <throat> what is it called? Electromagnetic like stimulation machines. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. his muscles. So, it, so he does mention like, hey, my muscles are toned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm so beefy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, I guess he's in good shape. I mean, at least the muscles. Who knows how his inner system is, is working. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> been eating gravy for 12 years. Uh, mm, <laughs> mm. <gross. laughs> uh, 31. Yeah. Is there a constant direction of travel? He asked. Something that could be explained by an external force, magnetic maybe, static electricity, through and fast island. Anyone? I dropped my fork right into my spaghetti. <laughs> Is this actually alien life? Am I really that lucky to be alive when humanity first discovers extraterrestrial life? Wow. I mean, the Petrova line is so terrifying, but wow, aliens, this could be aliens! aliens. Which is cool. Yeah, so context here. Um, he <coughs> hangs out with his lady friend and, and she's super stressed out and he's like, hey, what's up? And she's like, yeah, you, you know the Petrova line thing where it's actually sucking up the energy of the sun? We're gonna die. Chaos, ma'am. Yeah. So they send out a probe to the, to the Petrova line, like, what the heck is going on? And they see some... They're doing some scans and they see some stuff move. And they're like, what? That thing just moved. What's going on? And they're like trying to rationalize it. Maybe just a magnetic field is making them move or maybe it's dust or something. Or it's actually aliens moving around microorganisms. Yeah. And exciting. I, I think too, um, this highlight, it's just kind of a good characterization and narration in the book because it's like, really takes into oh my god there's aliens and so we kind of feel like his excitement yeah and that sets the tone for what's to come yeah but i, I yeah i just really liked how how he wrote that out. you have a good point though his excitement makes me excited yeah, too. Exactly, yeah exactly and then it this is a good vehicle for the audiobook too i don't know if you listened to it or read it but um Listening to the audiobook, you get his hype on the tone of voice as well, and you're like, oh yeah, let's uh, do this. Yeah, yeah, and his confusion and sadness and everything else. Yeah, yeah. Mostly excitement. He's very <laughs> excitable, dude. <laughs> yeah, you know, he has very good resilience. Like, 
um, all the things that have happened to him, and he still puts on a forward-facing um, mm -hmm. attitude. Yeah, so. I, I, it makes sense though because he's you know stuck on this spacecraft head, headed towards the star, and he's like, well, I might as well make math of this and like kind of rationalize it a bit. Yeah, and I don't think he had any close family. Like he had the the, the kids that he taught. Oh, yeah. But, so that I guess makes it easier. It's like I got no one else to worry about. Yeah, for for sure. Yeah. Page 35. Drang, have you said? The answer is Drang. <laughs> Drang frowns with confusion. What? Mm. You ask who could tell you the rain mm. is a bird? Drang can tell you. Mm. I answer correctly. <sighs> Else matter about 13 year old. It wasn't the first time. <laughs> I dropped the beanbag on her desk just as the bell rang. Mm. <laughs> so. Yeah. It was cute. Yeah. So, um, so he's like school teacher, a silent school teacher. Uh, I like his, his method of. Interacting with the kids, we should tell Lauren about this. Okay. <laughs> he just wants to beat all of them up. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he, he puts like you know, fun questions for the kids and um, the way to motivate them is by giving them beanbags if they answer the question correctly mm. and then the beanbags can then be traded at the end of the semester, I think? Or the end of the week or something? For prizes, toys... Yeah, remember to cash in your beanbags at the end of the week for toys and other prizes. Yeah, there you go. So excellent motivation for kids, mm -hmm. and so that he has a little um, battle royale for answering questions right there. And this little <laughs> kid, what was her yeah. name? Abby. <laughs> she kind of like um, won the question under underhandedly by yeah. saying, "Yeah, that guy can answer." Mm. Mm. Tricky kids. Mm. What a brat. Dang kids. <laughs> It'll be funny if she comes to play later in the future. I mean, it's twelve Earth years, so. She'd be like so she's grad 13, so yeah. she'd be like 25, like maybe at some point he'll communicate back to her and she'll be like, hey, I'm, uh, I'm in grad school now, studying science. Interning for NASA. Like. Yeah, yeah, I get or... the answer, professor. Exactly. <laughs> That'll be fun. <clears throat> Did you ever watch Space Force? Oh, it was so sad. <laughs> <laughs> that was so bad. It was like... I wanted it to be good and it just wasn't. Yeah, it just wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sums it up. Page 50. That's not a simple physical or chemical process. That's a complex that's complex and directed, something that must have evolved. So the petrol line is tiny little rocket flares? Probably. I've ever only seen a small percentage of the total light coming off that area. They use it to propel themselves to Venus or to the sun, or both. I don't know. Point is the light will go away from their direction of travel. Air is in that, in that line, so we only see the light that reflects off nearby space dust. And a little bit farther on, we never considered the idea of a simple, unintelligent species. Yeah, this isn't the Balkans dropping in to say hi. <laughs> this is space algae, an invasive species like king toes in Australia. Eh, good analogy. Mm. <laughs> Alright, so I shouldn't have combined those highlights because it's different <laughs> things I want to discuss. Okay. But um, the first highlight, the fact that they discovered that um, that it's uh, a, a complex life form, he realizes it's by the way that that energy is consumed. Mm. Um, so he notices that when the the energy uh, energy levels of the particles are lowering or the microorganisms, it's when they move. So he realizes that the the organism is using the energy 
to move, which、mm-hmm. means it's it's、uh, it's done on purpose, and therefore there's intelligence behind it. Yeah. Right. So like a, a purpose, basically. A, a purpose, purposeful action. Yes. So he's it's an intelligent being, and、yes. that's that's cool. So it's really aliens. <laughs> and then the second highlight, the the one about、um, the invasive species.、Mm-hmm. So I don't know what king toads in Australia is, but I'm just imagining like a, a bunch of toads all over the place. <laughs> yeah, just invading poor Australia.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Australia has a lot of、oh. stuff going on. <laughs> okay.、Uh, so he's doing math. That's page fifty-two. Uh, but 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 da 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 da. 186,000 seconds. That's a little over two days. Over ten times faster than the rotation should be. The star I'm looking at. It's not the sun. I'm in a different solar system. Dun dun dun. Oh man. This guy just keeps upgrading his situation. He's like, I don't know where I am. Oh, gravity is different. I must、uh, be not on Earth. Right. No, maybe I'm just chilling near near <laughs> Earth. No, wait. That's not the sun. It's other from solar system. Yeah.、Mm. I think at that point I was like, "Oh man, this book is really good." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. I just takes it by strike. He's like, "Well, just gotta keep rolling." <laughs> yeah, yeah. These you know various memories that keep coming back, and it's just like one kind of gut punch after the <laughs> other. <laughs>、oh. <clears throat> okay, fifty six. Um, I peer at the diagram more closely. Why is there twenty thousand kilograms of astrophage on this ship? Astrophage of the little alien dudes.、Uh, I've got a strong, strong suspicion it's the fuel. And why not? Astrophage can propel itself with light and has absurd energy storage capability. So now we know that wherever he is, not Earth or surrounding. Uh, his spaceship is powered by astrophage, which they, which they had somehow gotten. Yeah, it's cool that that they were able to use the organism as a fuel source. Right. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been a way for them to to reach. Yeah,、thing. and it also implies that either <clears throat> a they managed to gather a ton of it and bring it back so that they can fuel it up on Earth, or they found some way to multiply it. A like large scale. It's funny that you mention it because、uh, probably later in the book you know, we might have highlighted it, but at some point he realizes that it's a one-way trip. Yeah. Because there's not enough fuel for、right. for the ship to go back. But he was the one to discover how to multiply astrophage.、Mm-hmm. So there is the possibility <laughs> that he might be able to make enough fuel in his little lab to get back.、Um, I don't know if that will happen. Maybe it's not as simple as that. Maybe they need like a full-scale operation, but、hmm. maybe. Well, that leads to an interesting point because the reason, you know, we found out later the reason that he's in the ship is he's going to this star called Tau Ceti, <clears throat> and for whatever reason, the scientists realize that Tau Ceti、uh, is not attracting the astrophage. So maybe there's some weird thing that happens around Tassadis, such that he can multiply the astrophage to get the hell back home,、yeah. which comes with its own problems, of course, like food.、Uh, but I mean, I feel like there could be ways that are being lined up 
so that he can or like maybe they stop at a different store i don't know yeah i don't know if it'll happen but there's there's definitely like possibilities because his peeps are dead so food consumption is <clears> one third and he know he discovered the way of multiplying astrophage and he's a smart dude so he could potentially multiply more astrophage and yeah. use the leftover food to go back yeah but am i gonna get my hopes up because no yeah yeah only because it it does seem like too much of a happy ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Page 60. How did you do it? What killed it? I penetrated the outer cylinder with a nano syringe. <laughs> you poked it with a stick? Mm. No! Uh, well, yes. It was a scientific <laughs> poke with a very scientific stick. <laughs> Poor good things. It always yeah. works. <laughs> Stick it with pointy end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so, context on that, um, they they got back some astrophage from... Uh, like a recovery mission. From a recovery mission from the... the astrophage was going from like the sun to the moon, to, to Venus. Um, so anyway, they recovered some astrophage, um, he's doing tests on it, and he decides to poke it with a stick, um, <laughs> and it kills the astrophage. It, it, like, it, it seems to have like a... It yeah, no. So originally the astrophage has <clears throat> some sort of uh, protective material, which is the thing that that stores energy um, and it's impervious to temperatures. Mm. And once he pokes it with a stick, <laughs> that protective material um, just collapses and right. then it becomes a pretty normal cell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, they're, now they know how to destroy astrophage. I don't know if they'll use that in the future, but... Um, Poke <laughs> okay, it with the lurker stick. <laughs> we'll kill the astrophage. Just, Just like one needle at a time. <laughs> <laughs> a sheep of a thousand needles. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, they haven't really used that yet. Like, what? They, they found out how to kill it, but they haven't used that. <laughs> Technique, well, yeah. To. Yeah, no, no. So they now they're just using it to um, multiply it or use it as fuel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, page twenty-nine. Bad news. My three irreplaceable ten micro micron wide astrophage had launched off somewhere. Maybe at velocities approaching the speed of light, and I had no idea where it went. Crap. <laughs> so yeah. he makes a little experiment of of trying to simulate <laughs> the situation of the sun and Venus. Um, with a little lamp, um, so in a closet, basically. In a closet, so he creates like a, a little box to simulate uh, a little closet box to simulate total darkness. Puts up like I think it was like a lamp or something, and puts the astrophage in one corner, and voila, boom, they all go towards the bulb, um, <laughs> and he loses track of all three of them. Yeah. And it's like no, uh, yes, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so so. Context on that. Um, once he learned that he could um, stab the astrophage, um, they learned that the astrophage was actually um, uh, made out of water. Mm -hmm. So the trick thing to this knowledge is that it made his expertise not as key anymore. So mm -hmm. the, the whole reason he was the only one experimenting with the astrophage <laughs> was that because he wrote a paper on the possibility of existence of, of life forms without water mm -hmm. as the building blocks. Um, so as far as I knew, these particles um, uh, travel to the sun 
and they they thought like hey if they went to the sun that there couldn't be any water because it's too hot so this must be particles that don't that don't like need don't need water yeah so they thought that he would be the the scientist with the the best skill set to analyze these particles once he stopped that and they realized that they actually did have water inside it was a protective layer that was protecting the water and they were pretty much like well now we have a bunch of other scientists that they can Yeah, like, too. We don't need you as much. Yeah. And Braylon's like, but, but. <laughs> yeah. So they split up the, the astrofish into into small subsets and spread it up around the Earth so the different scientist teams could analyze it. Um, and then he, he keeps three of them. And so he's very worried when his experiment actually succeeds because the only three astrofish that he has, now they're lost. Mm -hmm. Page 83. Astrofish hang out on the surface of the sun, gathering energy via heat. They store it internally in some way no one understands. Then, when they have enough, they migrate to Venus to breed. Mm. <laughs> using that stored energy to fly through space, using infrared light as a propellant. Lots of species migrate to breed. Why would an astrofish be any different? Mm. Yeah, very, very fancy breeding ritual. So I wonder... Hey, you want to go to Venus with me? Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> You like <laughs> Oh god. <laughs> That's so easy. Oh uh, right. So I'm just now wondering if so the the astrophage like fly around, whatever, are attracted to the sun and then they like hop over to Venus to breed and then they boop go back. Um I wonder then, since he's going to Tau Ceti, the star, if other solar systems have like of Venus, you know, like a whatever is going on in Venus's atmosphere or, you know, situation that uh, uh, attracts the, the mm -hmm. astrophage, like, clearly they're not just going to Venus, all of them. <laughs> they must be. So I wonder if maybe that'll play a role yeah. in kind of deciding things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, I, I remember now that CO2, I think it was CO2, some sort of gas. The CO2 levels uh, of Venus oh. are very high. Mm -hmm. So it's the nearest um, planet with such a high concentration of CO2 to the sun. Is it argon? No, not argon. It was, it was CO2 or something. Uh, it was just the nearest planet with X amount of CO2. So mm -hmm. they went to the nearest, to, to that nearest planet because they needed the CO2 to breed. And then once they bred, they're like, All right, bye. <laughs> I guess tired from the sex. <laughs> they're like, oh, we that need was more. Exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, exhausting. We're gonna go back to the sun to get more. God, gotta run. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. Hey. <laughs> go back to the sun and you know, rehydrate. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, so yeah, actually, when he's, he did an experiment, um, in the closet, it wasn't the, the sun that he emulated, it was the CO2 that he emulated. And as soon as they got to the CO2, then one of them got into the CO2 and it multiplied to two. Mm. And then a few of them got stuck on a light filter. Right. So two of them got stuck on the light filter. One got all the way to the CO2 and multiplied. Mm. So he then had four instead of three. 
Anyway, so the whole highlight was basically. Oh yeah, saying, I. Well, oh, okay, yeah, my ahead. next one is pretty much what you just said. All right, go ahead. Uh, next page, eighty-four. <clears throat> Our heroic astrophage reaches the upper atmosphere of Venus, collects the CO two it needs, and can finally reproduce. After that, both parent and child return to the sun, and the cycle begins anew. It's a really get energy get resources and make copies it's the same thing all life does on earth wink 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 <laughs> okay so back to your question yeah venus is just the nearest planet with the amount of co2 that they want right yeah yeah but i think that still implies that in other solar systems there's some sort of body that has uh the right level of co2 right and so maybe Tau Ceti doesn't have one, which is why they're not well, infecting that one. <clears throat> Unlikely. But I don't think we know the mystery of Tau Ceti yet, but it, but it does have a patrol line. So if it has a patrol line, that means that the astrofish are traveling from one point to the other and creating that, that roadway, which is mm -hmm. a patrol line. So where are they going and why are they not multiplying exponentially? Right. Uh, yeah. We don't know. At Tau Ceti. But yeah. everywhere else. Excuse yeah, me. yeah. Why is South City different? Dun, dun, dun. Maybe... Well, I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> Page 88. Strat, of course. Sat at the end of the table. Dr. Grace, how was your trip? How was my trip? I got dragged across the gosh darn world without any notice. <laughs> she held up her hand. It was just a pleasantry, Dr. Grace. I don't actually care how the trip was. <laughs> you work for me, we have plenty yeah. to do, just shut up. <laughs> yeah. We're using your brain. Stop talking. <laughs> so I actually like the, the Strat. Uh, Strat, yeah. I actually like Strat a lot. Yeah, dude. Because, you know, a lot of the time, even in real life and in movies, just just, just way too much protocol to get shit done in, in an efficient manner. Yes. So, uh, doctors, uh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, so, so Strat just is like, you know what, we don't got time for all this <laughs> bullshit. I'm just going to take control. You're going to follow orders and you're going to do what I say. That's it. Yeah. And I brought you here, and you're gonna do what I tell you. Mm -hmm, just deal with it. <laughs> and she's not, you figure that someone like this might be stubborn, but no, she's actually very reasonable and very smart. And She listens to whatever Raylan. God bless. God bless. Yeah. Good characters. Yes. Ugh, what was that book we were in? Shut up. Yes. <laughs> Wait, really? Bad characters. <laughs> <laughs> I was just throwing it out there. Okay, you're not wrong. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is such an upgrade. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, we need to stop doing that. We need to like consistently read like good books, so it's not like. <laughs> I, you know, I blame Netflix for that because it, it it hyped it up. Yeah. And then we were hooked on the stars, and like, oh. But then the series is so much better than stupid book. Yeah, I don't regret it to be honest. No. Yeah, I don't regret it. It was I it was bad, of. but I still glad we did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Page 95. They only get about 10% dimmer before they stop dimming. The stars? Oh, okay, I remember now. Yes, the stars. So the astrophage, they they reproduce exponentially. Um, and so they suck up energy from the star. Um, but there there is a level at which, at which they stop, and which is um, 10%. Once the sun or the star reaches 10% less energy, um, then they stop sucking the energy from the sun. Mm -hmm. So I, I, they must have some sort of conscious telling them like, hey, if we keep um, absorbing the energy, we're not gonna have any more energy, so we're gonna slow down now. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of like um, farming crops. 
you know, at, at, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, if you over farm the, the field, then the field is just gonna, yeah, it's, it's gonna have negative results and you're gonna have that. You so like you, suck all the life out of it. Basically. Yeah, so you gotta rotate your crops, you have a guy, you gotta have some sort of plan and cadence mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. So the astrophysics are actually pretty smart. Yeah. Um, that doesn't really help Earth though, because even 10% of energy withdrawn from the sun is still gonna cause cataclysmic effects on Earth. Yeah. So they still need to do some <laughs> stuff about it. And I think, I could be wrong, but I think earlier in the book where they were looking at the scientific papers and whatever, I think they said that the Earth, uh, the Sun had gotten like one or two percent yeah. dimmer. So it's on its way to ten. Uh, clear, you know, any any more than it is now is gonna be bad news anyway. But don't want it to get ten. Is the problem ten percent? Yeah, yeah. He was saying that the the, the events that brought about climate change um, was like from like 40 or 50 years ago have brought have increased the temperature of the earth by only one or two degrees and that is enough to cause um all the difference in climate from back then you're talking about between the sun and the earth like kind of cancels it out so this is a scene. I don't know if we highlight it, but a scene when the kids are like saying, "So what's what's so bad about losing only ten percent of the of the sun?" Uh-huh. And it's like, well, actually, ten percent is a lot. Um, the sun only changes one or two percent, which translates to about one or two degrees in difference. But that's still enough to cause all the climate change that we've seen around. So yeah. imagine if we lose all the way to <clears throat> yeah. And kind of hiking on to what you just said about like the classroom. So. I think that happened before he was whisked away to on this ship uh and the kid you know he was trying to explain it to the kids and he was like well this could happen in like you know 20 30 years and like oh it's only 20 30 years and he's like no that's really bad because you know kids in concept of time getting old or whatever uh so (laughs) he like literally just left the kids and had a moment in the hallway and then he hightailed to the lab uh and then like we never hear from the kids again yeah, so he yeah. just like left them at school <laughs> but i mean there were more important things so. exactly he's like you know what we gotta solve this problem or these kids are gonna have a terrible life exactly i'm gonna go and try to solve yeah <laughs> page 96 Oh god, please tell me you understand where the heat goes. I can't figure out what the heck is going on with where the heck it's doing with the heat energy. We have figured this out, yes, said Dimitri. With lasers. It was a very illuminating experiment. Was that a pun? <laughs> it was. Good one. <laughs> Sounds <Yeah>. familiar. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm happy that he had like this nerdy moment with Dunlar's Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Page 105. Time is of the essence here. Unfortunately, while I slept, I had experienced at mm. least 13 years. Ah, there it is. Right. So the kids are now 25. Right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Page 111. So you either take your chances with picking the best possible candidates and maybe they kill each other, <laughs> or you take your chances on the jet to be developed medical technology to automatically care for a lower tier of talent. More or less. Mm. Yeah, so. Um, once he, so I think he already discovered how to duplicate the astrofish. Yeah. yeah oh yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're on the ship, and there's another lady that comes in, and she's talking about like uh, medical 
advances and comas and what they're gonna do when it comes to time to like send someone out basically yeah so they have the the whole fuel situation resolved because mm-hmm. now they can multiply astrophage mm-hmm. and now they're trying to but but it's still gonna take some time to get there and and they realize that if the people are you know actively present during that time in such a confined space they're gonna basically be be uh, there's a high possibility that you're gonna turn crazy and they might kill each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which I think is reasonable. You know, they're taking oh, all yeah. these things into consideration. Yeah, yeah. Real cabin fever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the other possibility is um, having them go into coma, um, which could work, but they don't have the technology yet. So yeah. it's kind of like everything is a risk. <laughs> everything is a risk. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's later or now, or, or maybe they don't have it. But at some point, they realize that there's a particular population in Earth that have a specific gene mm-hmm. which allows them to process the anesthesia necessary for the coma-induced um, situation without terrible repercussions. Mm-hmm. So they would limit their pool of candidates to people that have that gene. Yeah, and. I think it's the a line before is like there's yeah. a million people you know. assuming you know the statistics so there's a million people that could have this gene which is a pretty good pool so I'm interested how they got to yeah I want to see how they got there yeah like the from crew. from the discovery of I mean you know it's kind of funny in retrospect they're talking about like the different possibilities but we know what they ended up doing it's just kind of how they decided on these particular people yep which is yeah you figured that would make it less interesting but no i still, I still yeah. find it really interesting. <laughs> so it's kind of explaining it but not enough so that's 100 percent. it's still enough to like pique your interest so. yeah it's good fish 119 and that's when i see it there's an object blowing my blocking my view of the patrol line it's right next to my ship, maybe a few hundred meters away. It's roughly triangle-shaped, and it has gable-like protrusions along its hull. Yes, I said hull. <laughs> it's not an asteroid. The lines are too smooth, too straight. The object was made, fabricated, constructed. Shapes like that don't occur in nature. Da, da, it's da. a ship. Who's now? Oh, man. Spicy, spicy. Next page. Humanity isn't alone in the universe, and I've just met our neighbors. Holy fucking shit. Which is the first time he cursed. <laughs> yeah, I like that line a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I, just like the same thing with, um, with like there being aliens, period. You know, that excitement, like, oh my god. And now it's like, there are other people. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh my god. Other aliens. Other uh, intelligence. Yeah. So, okay. Context, um, he, he's in Thousand Tauri, he realizes it's not the same solar system, he's in Thousand Tauri, so he starts analyzing the situation here with the astrophage, trying to figure out what the information he can send back to Earth. Mm. Uh, he starts looking at the patrol line, trying to determine um, where it's, what's their Venus, basically, where is it ending up? <laughs> and at the moment in which he's analyzing it, he sees that something is blocking his view, and it turns out it's this thing with weird shapes, which can only mean it's a spaceship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Da, da, da. Um, page... oh, it's yours. 125. There is intelligent life for... 
there is an intelligent life form aboard that ship. I'm about 200 meters away from an honest-to-god alien. I mean, my ship is powered by aliens, but this one is intelligent. <laughs> which is so cool. I'm so excited for the next Yeah, me too. Like, What's gonna happen? And I really hope this doesn't turn into some crappy like, oh, now there's a power struggle between the the yeah. human and the aliens and yeah. things. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm interested to see, you know, assuming that they do uh, make contact, physical contact, like, I hope it's kind of in the same vein of, you know, these are just tiny little particles, they don't really like do a whole lot. Even though they're intelligent, I, basically what I'm saying is I hope they're not little green men. <laughs> right, know what right. I mean? what, what I want to see. But I can't think of what else. I don't know. What I want to see is, I hope there's a fair chance, so that there is, um, constructive development here. Like, yeah. If they just go out straight out into a <laughs> battle because reasons, that's just lame. Um, we obviously see that they can communicate with each other, then I hope they use that communication to try to establish um, the uh, reasoning behind uh, whatever it is that they want. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and have it be uh, uh, reciprocated, I guess? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, even if they end up fighting later, okay, <laughs> as long as there is that communication period beforehand, because they're both really smart people, uh, really smart entities. entities. And, and and they should be able to to you know use that <clears throat> intelligence for Good. for a constructive purpose before ending up in destructive mode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so far so good. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see. Page one thirty-two. I wait. No need to get greedy. If I pull at it too early, I might knock it off course and into space. I have no way of recovering it. I don't want to look dumb in front of the aliens, <laughs> because they're surely watching me right now. Probably counting my limbs, noting my size, figuring out what part I should eat first. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like that he's, he's still so cheerful and so positive-minded in this situation. Yeah. He's freaking walking, he's floating in space. Probably yeah. the first time in his life that he can remember. Yeah. And it's this little thing floating towards him, and he's like, yep, aliens right there. Eh. Yeah, yeah, basically, <laughs> it's just bananas. Yeah. Um. I wonder if I think a, a maybe not reasonable, but I think a an option for all of this like to end up is maybe instead of actual life forms on the other ship, maybe there is also some sort of like AI, so he doesn't have to communicate and be in the physical presence and like figure out oxygen and shit with some weird little not alien men. Yeah. Know, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping. I think that would solve a lot of problems. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I'm so excited. <laughs> For aliens. <laughs> Page 145. The bleep A spins in space. It rotates and over end. Probably at exactly the same rate as the Hoyo Mari. I guess they saw me spin up the centrifuge and figure it was another communication thing. Humanity's first miscommunication mm. with my intelligent alien race. That I could be part of it. Yeah. <laughs> Again. Yeah, yeah. So he grabs a little container from the space uh, from the alien spaceship, um, and and he brings it in and he's like, "Damn, I'm gonna have to analyze this, but I'm in zero gravity. This just seems stupid because no nothing in this room seems to be built to handle 
zero gravity experiment, mm -hmm. that means that um, if they build the ship this way, there must be a way to account for gravity. So he starts messing around with his memories and, and the manuals and he realizes that the ship can, can generate a centrifuge to create gravity. Um, so he figures out how to do that and he does it. <laughs> and the aliens, you know, they're watching the ship and the, the ship suddenly starts to turn and they're like, oh, he's say hi. So they're like, hey, hey what's up? <laughs> At exactly the same rate, too. Yeah. <laughs> and then Riley's just like, oh. gotcha, bro. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, best friends. Yeah. I, I have high hopes. I mean, it's only a third of the way through, so let's go. Yeah. Pitch 149. We are from the 40 Erid Eridani system. And now we're here at Tau City. Mm -hmm. But there's even more to it than that. They're also saying 40 Eridani has a patrol line just like Tau City. Mm -hmm. I step I stop to let that sink in. Are you in the same boat? Yeah. So the container has like a little I'm, just, I'm gonna say like solar system, but obviously diagram. not a solar system. A little model of the Tau City system, but also the Eridani system. And he the way it's shaped allows um what's his name? Ray? Ryan? Ryland. Ryland. Allows him to, to realize the fact that the aliens are trying to communicate where they are from and that they're also having the, the situation of the whole patrol line thing. Mm. So he's like, oh my god, they're on the same boat. They're trying to yeah. also find out what's up with this <clears throat> system. So that's a lot of information just from like a diagram, I think. Yeah. So And it's brilliant that they did it in a diagram shaped form, because you know they were written a letter that would have been used. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone can understand it. And it's cool that he he was like, all right, we'll do this. And he starts soldering on the, the, the earth version of things. Like, ah, I got this. I can yeah. play with you guys. <laughs> uh, it's just so great. <laughs> so, so he sends, as a precursor to this next yeah. quote, they said that with the, the star diagram, and he sends back like his soldering with like Earth, we are in Earth. Yeah. I'm from Earth. <laughs> yep, that's good enough. And then sends it back. And then they send back another one immediately, pretty much. Well actually no, I guess it was like two hours later. Yeah. Uh so Okay, so page one fifty two. And that tube connecting them, it connects the Hail Mary logs and leads to the center of the Bleeps A diamond shaped segment. Ooh. The tunnel is just wide enough to cover my airlock door. They want to meet. Yes! yes <laughs> of course! So they, yeah, so they sent back another container and they're so smart. So he, they realized um, where where um, Ryland is is sending, uh, you know, yeah. he stepped out of the ship to grab the container and, and then he stepped off to send it back. So he know they understand what the entry and exit of the of, of the Hilmar is. Yeah, and and also too they can see him and that he fits inside and outside of the airlock. Right? Exactly. So they send back another container with the Hilmar and the Bleep A, aka the alien spaceship, <laughs> connected. Like, hey, bro, let's hang out and discuss this. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that's the, that's the last highlight. I'm super excited to see what's gonna happen. I'm super loving this book so far. Yeah. How are you? I love it. I like all the descriptions. I like the characters. I like the science. It's not too heavy. Yeah, it's good. Um, I'm wondering what the next steps are gonna be. I mean, he... I guess with the tube thing, I assume that means they want him to meet them instead of vice versa. So I think that causes a little bit of a challenge for him being in a different environment, like what could happen to his body. I mean, obviously he's gonna be in the spacesuit, right? But yeah, 
That's a good point. I don't know if they're gonna come to him or if he's gonna go to them. We'll see. Yeah. It'll be funny, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I assume to make things interesting, he'll probably like gather a maybe a couple weapons, a couple like the microdriver, the, the a couple sticks. Yeah. <laughs> And then Stick just, it with the point, yeah. Uh, and then just uh, hop on over, maybe some some gravy packets, <laughs> and then go and meet his new friends. Hopefully, like they're uh, clearly they are all like on the same page, but um, hopefully they have information that can help him in his journey or keep him alive and send him back to Earth. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping that. Uh, both things happens. He goes to mm -hmm. them, and he goes, to, and they go to him. You know, because they're, they're probably like two whole different sets of equipments in these spaceships. Yeah. And it, I'm, I'm guessing that they will have the same problem, and they're gonna try to solve it together. And they probably have like different resources in the spaceship, so mm -hmm. they might be like, "Hey, let's go to the spaceship to build a super cool <laughs> thingy," but then we'll go back to mine, and then we can cut it with this microscope, <laughs> and I'll tell you how to, you know, use both resources to succeed. Mm. I'm hoping that's what not what happens, and, and that way we'll get to see like how the aliens acclimate to the Hail Mary and how he acclimates to Leap A. Yeah, and how they how they share information, data, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And two, uh, you know, his ship. They they said something about like the um, the sizes. So this one is like twelve feet, or I don't twelve oh, times. Yeah. I think so. It's clear, like it's much larger. So three times larger than the hell. Yeah. Right, that's what it was. Uh, so I'm wondering if that will have anything to do with anything. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, they would. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the maybe the aliens will give him a ride back home. Don't worry, bro. We got you. <laughs> yeah. All he needs is like oxygen. <gasps> <laughs> this is stupid and probably not true, but <laughs> so oxygen. Mm. But then you breathe out carbon dioxide. Ooh. The astrophage like carbon dioxide. Oh, it's so gonna amazing. kiss all the astrophages. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering what's going on with Tal Sudi. So yeah, I I think the two of them are gonna figure it out together, or maybe they already the other aliens already know, and they're gonna be like, "Why didn't you know this?" Oh, I hope not. I, it'll be fun really? to see them work through the problem together. Okay. I mean oh, that that will oh. be its own kind of fun, but I'm hoping that they work together to the problem. Right. <laughs> It'll make it more interesting, that's for sure. Yeah. All right, that's all we got. Looking really forward to it and to the next discussion. Yeah. This book is awesome. Loving it so far. Yes. The end. Yeah. <laughs>